0: The CNBC app. Global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected. Stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A warm welcome everybody. This is Squawk Box in our headlines this hour. Chinese manufacturing activity slips unexpectedly in April as momentum in the world's second largest economy cools. The S&P 500 sets an intraday record peak after consumer spending rises in March and optimism over a resolution to the US-China trade talks pushes stocks higher ahead of today's Fed meeting.
1: Meanwhile, Alphabet shares sliding in extended trade after first quarter revenue misses expectations, rising at the slowest pace in three years as increased competition in advertising ways. Plus Airbus backing its fuller outlook after delivering a rise in first quarter core earnings, whilst the rival Boeing continues its battle to contain the crisis around the 737 MAX.
0: So very good morning, everybody. Um, Steve's going to go and have a look at the walls in just a second. But as we uh, wait on that, Lufthansa numbers have come in. So let's have a quick look at how the German carrier has done. And the early indication is not encouraging. The headline on the story, first quarter net loss widens as fuel costs weigh. The uh, group says the first quarter net loss then came in at 342 million euro. Uh, the uh, group confirming though or reaffirming 2019 targets for revenue growth and adjusted EBITDA margin. Uh, the group sees unchanged capacity at Eurowings uh, vis the previous forecast of uh, 2% growth, sees fuel costs at network airlines 600 million euro above 2018 against the previous forecast of 550 million euros. Um, Lufthansa sees adjusted EBIT in other businesses and group functions at 100 million euro below 2018. So there are a number of areas where there are challenges. Obviously, one is in your ancillary, in ancillary revenue stream, as they like to call it. The other is um, the higher fuel costs. And it is quite remarkable how much upside we've actually seen in the energy price over the last four months. I was uh, reading a good piece from uh, Liam Halligan in the Telegraph just pointing did he rant? out yeah, well he did rant, actually but just <laughs> love, that's four, the best thing about 40 it, Liam. 47% over the the last 4 months i hadn't realized that the yeah, spike no, been, was spike. quite that big and yeah. took us through $75 a barrel obviously that is raising issues for airlines here but we know i mean I, it'd be interesting to see the stock reaction around lufthansa because i think people understand there have been challenges for this airline not least fuel industrial issues And of course, the ongoing question of just what what load capacity is going to be like going forward, given the weakness in German and other eurozone growth numbers.
1: Um, uh, Just wanted—I was going to do a bit of analysis on on the airlines, but uh, let's move on to Standard Chartered. Okay. Uh.
0: That Was a bit of a curveball, wasn't it? it you was weren't expecting bit, that. Yeah. You're just yeah, going to no. say something really interesting about well, Luftwaffe. I, I had it
1: all ready to go on. And the director said, Steve,
0: standard chartered. Charter. Get yeah. to standard uh, charter. First
1: quarter underlying profits before tax uh, up 10% to 1.4 billion US dollars. Uh, statutory profit up 5% to 1.2 billion US dollars. Net interest margin of 1.56% uh, percent down one basis point quarter on quarter. The operating income in the first quarter was $3.8 billion, uh, down 2% or up 2% on a constant currency basis. They are talking about return on equity of 8.5% versus previous figure of 7.6%. $1 billion share buyback program is expected to reduce uh, CET1 ratio in the second quarter by around 35 basis points. Um, you've interviewed Bill Winters very, very,
0: very yes, recently, haven't you? Yes, I have. Yes. You? Yeah. Yeah, well, he was re- pretty optimistic. Re- of- uh, well, uh, there is a turnaround going on, and Bill Winters has been overseeing that uh, turnaround. Um, but the... the- I mean, let's face it, this is the banking sector that has been troubled by low interest rates and mediocre economic growth for some time here. And even as we watch the dance, the romance unfold between Commerce Bank and Deutsche Bank mm. and people talking about, well, would these two banks come together to consolidate and have a new business model? The reality is all of these things are happening because the underlying business environment for the banking sector has been very different to how it was pre the great financial crisis of 07, 08. But Bill Winters, I think, is doing a good job of trying to identify business units that have underperformed Mm. and taking them out of the mix where they are not justifying the cost of capital. But it's hard going. It's hard charging, hard miles. So
1: why isn't the market appreciated? I mean, obviously... For each industry, you have different measures. I was going to explain to you a few things about the, the airline industry, but we moved on to the banks. Um, but 0.6 of 1% is the price to book on Standard Chartered as well, as opposed to a PE of 11. Now, the PE is perfectly respectable. It's in range with what the rest of the sector is doing, which comes in around about 10 to 15. Um, but pr- uh, the price to book at 0.6 is underwhelming. And it's, it takes you right to the bottom of the range, apart from a few outliers, which are even performing more woefully on the price to book, uh, to the downside. So why isn't the market appreciating what he's doing? If it trades on 0.6, when, let's face it, you should have a price to book of one if people have confidence in the value of your assets.
0: The interesting question is what will happen from here, because I don't know, I mean, you remember, we've talked about this a lot, but there was a lot of regulatory uh, headwind. Uh, ahead of Standard Chartered, there was this billion dollar fine related to money laundering that was hanging over the business um, and uh, about uh, the issues around sanctions breaching and so on and so forth. So that now appears to have been resolved and settled. And maybe we can move on with Standard Chartered here or maybe the markets can look through now those issues and start to refocus on some of the under underlying earnings. But we will have to wait and watch. Uh, Banco Santander, uh, those numbers just coming through here. The uh, first quarter net profit in at 1.84 billion euros. Net interest income, 8.68 billion euros. The bad loan ratio, 3.62%, which is probably still higher than they would actually like at this point, but acknowledges. Um, the bank continuing to get on top of those figures, confident to achieve medium term targets, including a return on tangible equity in the range of 13 to 15 percent. Uh, the um, Santander corrected uh, fully loaded core tier one capital ratio 11.25 percent. I think they had um, given us a 14 plus number but clearly the figure 11.25 as Reuters correct their figures. I think we might circle back and have a bit of a longer chat about some of these stories, given how interesting they are. But I see you've run over to the wall, so we'll have a look at the market, yes, shall we? I'm being very
1: well behaved today, doing what I'm told. Um, <laughs> look, this, so here we are on the banks uh, and the, the, the rest of the broader sector. The financials were actually pretty strong last night, 0.9 of 1% higher. Uh, the best-performing sector in the U.S. markets yesterday. Uh, this is the in-session moves, and I hasten to add there was some interesting news, which we'll get to with Elizabeth Shortsey in a few moments of time, that happened after hours as well. But safe to say, uh, intraday record highs uh, on the likes of the uh, S&P and the NASDAQ as well. Um, what else can I tell you? Well, I can tell you about the data as well. The core PCE data, once again, underwhelming data that was around about 2% um, only six months ago, now 1.6% annualized. Uh, actually, a very flat performance in March. Now this follows, of course, a very strong GDP rating, uh, number at the tail end of last week. So again, oscillating data. Today is a very big day today, actually, including conference board data, Case-Shiller data, and the Chicago PMIs. But we are waiting, of course, for the Federal Reserve, uh, which has an FOMC announcement on Wednesday, and indeed, the, and then payroll data on Friday. And Jeffrey, the Japanese are so hardworking. That goes down in law. We all know that as well. But they're kind of being forced at the moment to have a long holiday. I understand there's a 10-day holiday, of course, uh, for the uh, the royal handover, so imperial handover as well. So uh, they're forcing the Japanese to take a holiday. I'm sure it's a well-earned rest for uh, many of our Japanese friends as well. So no Japanese equity markets today. Uh, but we have got the ASX 200 down five-tenths of 1%. Shanghai Composite, four-tenths of 1% higher. Uh, KOSPI down uh, half percent. So a very mixed performance over in Asia. Let's have a look at the opening calls for the European markets. A very little meaningful move on the broader indices yes, there are Lots of fascinating stories underneath. Uh, 7444, the FTSE is called to open. And the uh, Zetrodak is called to open around 12.308.
0: Uh, Let's talk tech. Samsung has posted a 60% decline in first quarter operating profit. That was in line with the expectations. Uh, The tech giant was hit by declining chip prices and a weak performance at its smartphone business. Revenue also dropped by more than 13%. That met estimates. Meanwhile, Samsung didn't say when it would release its new foldable phone after the device's anticipated rollout was delayed last week.
1: Okay, Apple is expected to report a fall in second quarter revenue compared with the previous year, according to the company estimates. Wall Street also predicts a decline in earnings per share for the period Apple's latest results come after the company lowered its key holiday quarter sales guidance in January and reached a settlement in a legal battle with Qualcomm. Alphabet shares fell in after-hours trade after Google's parent company posted its slowest quarterly revenue growth in three years and missed Wall Street estimates. First quarter revenue increased 17% compared with last year as the company was hit by a dip in ad sales and struggling smartphone demand. Uh, Elizabeth joins us with more. Look, the shares fell, Elizabeth, after hours by a margin of around about 7% as well. But, I mean, if we were just looking at these in absolute terms, a 17% rise in the first three months of the year, it looks a huge figure, a huge increase, and the quarterly revenue still at $36.3 billion dollars. It brings us back to the old question, have the analysts just been a little bit too bullish on this stock, and despite the fact that, of course, it has so many positive momentums going on at the moment?
2: Expectations were very high going into this report. We saw Alphabet stock hit an all-time high ahead of its earnings, and now it's dropped about 7% extended hours. For reference, it's wiped about $80 billion off its market value just in that extended trading. But it is important to note that this revenue growth, even though it was a miss, still 17% growth. EPS also beat at $11.90, and um, traffic acquisition cost, which is another key metric to look at when we're looking at Alphabet, also was a beat. So the general numbers did come in line, minus that revenues, and the, the revenues uh, slowdown was particularly attributed to a slowdown in advertising revenues. If you look at the different segments where Google and our Alphabet makes its money, it's mostly from ads, and that's from its key properties, including YouTube and Search, that growth slowed to 15% year on year and yeah. had been growing at a rate of I was about ask 24%. You about YouTube
1: because my daughters have worked out how to speak to my television now and ask it for all kinds of things. Uh, I don't know how to put the parental <laughs> lock on, but anyway, I don't need to just yet yeah, unless I put on the parental lock for horses or something. Uh, and, and the advertising revenues there at YouTube were stunning, weren't they? And this is an area where they don't have any worries.
2: This is an area that is the core of their business. But it's slowing down a little bit. So okay. in,
1: so they went up fifty nine percent, didn't they, in the first three months of the year? They
2: still went up fifty nine percent. That's stunning. It, it's really strong growth. And the, and when you look at these, there's a little bit of um, consternation among some of the people who cover Amazon, some of the analysts uh, who cover Alphabet, because they don't specifically break down all of the YouTube metrics. Right. So YouTube is also grouped with search, which is the core of where Google's you know advertising clicks come from. But generally, um, the YouTube growth was strong. It's also important to look at some of those other ventures for Alphabet. So this is
1: Moonshots, yeah? So those include the, the cloud. They used to be called Moonshots, didn't moon they? Moonshots?
2: Like, yeah. I think they might have been called
1: Moonshots. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going back a couple of years now. But wasn't the Boston robotics part of that? And then that they yes. just sold That's, that off again? They sold that, that
0: again? The,
2: other bets. So other that's bets, Waymo. I, I love the way that... Elizabeth
0: is looking at you like you're talking a foreign language. <laughs> no, they call Does it moonshots. No, no. Maybe, no, no, maybe no, no. nobody calls it moonshots anymore.
2: Oh, is that so? Is old fashioned? It's now shot? been called just other bets. So they've tried to kind I of like make it a shots. little more. I mean, well,
0: I mean in the old amazing. days, we used to call it throwing spaghetti at a wall. <laughs> <didn't we? laughs> yeah, and, and you really. saw what stuck and you saw what fell off. That's then right. we moved to moonshots because that sounded better. we are two people
1: divided not by the same language as they used to say it, but two people divided by the wrong generations? And we skipped that? three generations between well, Welcome to is your that- middle year, sir. To <laughs> Sorry, your is, years. Sorry, but please talk about other
2: bets. That other bets category <laughs> only brings in about $170 million in revenue, so that is not a moneymaker, but Google, on its earnings call, CFO Ruth Port, emphasizing how important that business is, and that's particularly Waymo, which is the self-driving car unit, and Verily, which is this health venture. And the idea is that Alphabet wants to get into these segments that it sees as sort of ripe for disruption in the digital Space and it sees that as autonomous vehicles and as healthcare. So, uh,
0: so I've got an issue. Um, so I was looking at some of the um, analysts' uh, reports on this, and there was a lot of groaning about the fact that cloud isn't broken out as a separate yeah. story. Yes. And is this the the way that we're going now? I mean, we we obviously harrumphed a lot when Apple told us that they were no longer going to be breaking out certain business segments. It's going to be harder for us to analyze technology companies because they're going to play the opacity game with certain business lines if they are worried that that might create a negative impression.
2: It's a trend that we are seeing among many of these big tech companies. For example, Facebook is now trying to focus on all of the users and all of its platforms versus, versus the individual Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, for example, Apple, of course, with the iPhones. And there is a lot, grumbling is the right word, about Google when it comes to breaking down its different segments. And cloud is a huge area of growth for this company. But cloud is grouped with Google Play, which is its kind of apps platform, and then hardware, which is a totally different segment. That's smartphones and um, home po- you know, home devices. So it's very difficult to know where in that segment when it, uh, growth in cloud is strong. It's a high margin business, but it's impossible to know exactly how strong it is. And it's frustrating, frankly, as a oh. reporter looking at these numbers. Well,
0: isn't it interesting? Because yesterday we were having a conversation about how efficient or otherwise markets have become since you started your Uh, Work back in the 80s, and the argument largely is that markets have become a lot more efficient because we've become better at focusing on the key information, and companies are required to release that information. That
1: and the algorithmic
0: side of things. What we're now getting is companies building back in opacity, it seems to me. Which is going to make it harder for markets well, to come up with let, more efficient. Let's price add another discovery.
1: layer to that as well. There are enormous number of top S and P CEOs. Let's say so you hear it on this side of Atlantic, who don't like quarterly reporting. So this on completely different level. Yeah. Quarterly reporting, they say, takes up too much time. Too much is geared to the quarterly numbers when actually what they'll tell us is like what the asset managers tell us, well, you need to give us your money for a longer time because we work for it for five to seven years. Or or telling us you what's going on on a quarterly basis doesn't give you the full picture And we spend too much time preparing these quarterly reports. So I think you're right. I think companies are trying to build in more capacity. And you listened to this
2: call last night from Alphabet, and they continue to emphasize how strong of a quarter was, yet the stock's down 7%, and there's really not an acknowledgement of... What's driving some of that on, on from the leadership? It's a
1: so maybe big we'll see more of it in both directions. Then, if they give us more opacity and less clarity on the numbers that we seek and we want to know iPhone sales, is it so bad I'm, that we don't know that? I am
2: completely in favor of going back to knowing those unit sales.
1: Well, thank you very much indeed. We'll see you lots throughout the show, I'm sure. Uh, the We Company, better known as WeWork, is looking for investment from the public market. The uh, what a great word it's, you could read that as cow working, couldn't you? Co- yeah. co-working. If, well, it'd be coworking. Cow. Orking, cow it? The uh, Coworking Company, or is it Coworking Company? <laughs> anyway, um, filed confidentially for an IPO back in December, just one month before being valued at 47 billion dollars by SoftBank. Last year, the company posted a loss of. billion. Uh, Uber executives are focusing on reforming the ride-hailing app's corporate culture and highlighting its path to profitability. This is Uber looks to convince potential investors that the company is a safe bet ahead of its highly anticipated initial public offering. Leslie Picker has more.
3: All IPOs are inherently risky, but in the pitch Uber has laid out for investors, the ride-hailing company is seeking to convince them it's not as risky a bet as it may have once been. For one, there's price. Uber is seeking a valuation of $86 billion on a fully diluted basis at the midpoint of the range. That's about 28 percent lower than the $120 billion target banks had pitched the, pitched the company six months ago. Uber is also seeking a more conciliatory corporate governance structure than most other unicorns that have gone public. The company is debuting with a single class of stock and an independent chairman. In both its prospectus and marketing materials, Uber says that its culture has been reformed and that it's collaborating appropriately with regulators to expand to new markets. But the long-term economics of Uber's business would suggest the IPO is still quite risky. Operating losses amounted to about a billion dollars in the first three months alone. And a portion of Uber's valuation is based on its investments as well as the development of its autonomous vehicles unit. And if pressures don't abate in either its ride-hailing or food delivery products businesses, the company could continue to lose money on its core platform. For CNBC Business News, I'm Leslie Picker.
1: Uh, Tesla says it may look for new funding. Didn't we know this story last week? I'm sure I heard something about a bond issuance last week. Anyway, the automaker announced a $700 billion loss in the first quarter earnings and in a filing to the SEC revealed it was opening open to raising new debt. Uh, The electric car maker forecasts profits over the next year will be enough to pay down its debt and pay for investments. Both Moody's and S&P Global Ratings, though, have a negative outlook on the stock.
0: Uh, Tune in later. is well, stay tuned in. That would be my suggestion. I don't know why they've written this in. It encourages you to tune away somehow and then come back later. Um, Hadley's exclusive interview with the managing director of the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia. Uh, that interview tonight at 9 p.m. C.E.T. Do you think our uh, producers have been uber smart and actually put that one close
1: to Tesla? Yeah, we did the Tesla read just before. Well, because smart. wasn't the PIF supposed to be potentially? Wasn't that the yes. original way that Musk got himself in trouble? I think so. Yeah, I'm sure they did mean to do that. Uh, Ahead, Chinese manufacturing activity unexpectedly cools as trade talks between Beijing and Washington resume. More when we come back.
0: Chinese manufacturing activity slowed unexpectedly for a second consecutive month in April. Both official and private surveys showed factory growth eased over the month. The official figure came in at 50.1, while the Caixin print hit 50.2. The official services PMI also cooled in April, falling to 543 The slight dip comes after positive data in March lifted hopes the world's second largest economy was regaining momentum. Eunice has more from Beijing.
4: China's factory data for April disappoints. The official PMI showed that factory activity expanded at a slower pace. The Caixin PMI showed a similar trend among small and medium-sized manufacturers, and services also missed, though the industry still grew. The main concern is that export orders are weak and new orders are thin, showing global demand is fragile. Some analysts say that they aren't so concerned, though, because seasonal factors were at play and they expect Beijing policymakers to wait till the middle of the year before considering more stimulus. The numbers come as the latest round of trade talks begin in Beijing. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin are meeting with China's Vice Premier Liu He today. Over the weekend, Mnuchin said this round would focus on China's subsidies for certain industries and likely include President Trump's recent decision to end waivers on Iranian oil sanctions, which China has not been happy about. But the talk is that the two main sticking points will still be the enforcement of this trade deal and when and how the tariffs will be removed. Eunice Yun, CNBC Business News, Beijing.
1: Uh, Elsewhere, IMF Managing Director Christine Lagarde has told the Milken Institute conference that she expects the U.S. and China to reach a trade agreement. It's an opinion that was echoed by the Blackstone CEO Stephen Schwarzman, who told delegates at the same event that he was, quote, positive they will come up with something that works. However, he cautioned that it would not be a deal that solves all problems, adding there's a process of normalization that will take some time. Uh, U.S. consumer spending in March grew by the biggest level in nine and a half years. Data from the Commerce Department showed personal spending rose 0.9% last month. But the Fed's preferred inflation measure, which is the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, rose only 1.6% in March. Now, that is well below the central bank's 2% target, which was being hit, I hasten to add, six months ago.
0: Uh, White House economic advisor Larry Kudlow says slowing inflation opens the door for possible rate cuts. This is the Fed begins its two-day policy meeting. The U.S. Central Bank is widely expected to keep rates on hold as it sticks to its patient stance.
1: President Trump has sued Deutsche Bank and Capital One in a bid to prevent the lenders handing over his financial records to congressional Democrats. According to the Financial Times, Trump filed a lawsuit late Monday in New York. The U.S. president was joined in the suit by his children and related entities, including the Trump Organization. The lawsuit asks uh, the court to declare the Democratic subpoenas invalid. And U.S. Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein has announced his resignation. Rosenstein had been expected to step down in March, but stayed on to help manage the release of the special counsel Robert Mueller's report. In his resignation letter to Trump, Rosenstein uh, said the law is enforced, quote, without... Fear or favour, because credible evidence is not partisan. Rosenstein will officially step, step down on May 11th.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
3: Or join us again on this show with Jeff Cupmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.